0: Shalom, shalom. Welcome to another episode of God's Little Hummingbird, the podcast where we are reading through the Bible from the beginning to the end using the original languages as a guide. Today we are in 1 Samuel chapter 7 and we are reading from the New King James Version Bible. If you're new to this podcast, remember you can find that Bible online from places like Blue Letter Bible, Bible Hub, and such like that for free. Now, I also want to clarify again, this is the translation that I prefer to use, and as I am fairly familiar with Hebrew, I will say the NASB and the New King James Version Bible are very close in translation to the original language. There are some discrepancies between them and Hebrew, but for the most part, they tend to have the best readability, the flow, and accuracy. There are quite a few modern translations being put out there that are just a bit skewed and there are some such as the NIV that just take great liberties that are just not accurate at all and the paraphrased bibles be very careful of them because they're just not even the bible anymore so i just it's not that these are the only versions you can use but they do seem with the hebrew to be the most accurate so Use what you want, but that's from what I'm reading today. I pray, Father God, anoints this reading, helps us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to comprehend his truth. Then the men of Kirjath-Jerim came and took the Ark of Yahweh and brought it into the house of Abinadab on the hill and consecrated Eleazar his son to keep the Ark of Yahweh. So when you consecrate something, when they consecrate this person, they were making him clean and pure enough to take care of it, probably immersing him uh, in a mikvah, which would be we would call baptism, and cleansing him physically, but also probably teaching him the rules of the ark, right? So they don't look into the ark like the men of Beth Shemesh did and end up dying. So it was that the ark remained in Kirjah a long time. It was there 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after Yahweh. And it literally does say lamented after Yahweh. So what do you think that means? Like, why would they lament after him? <laughs> because, you know, the word, there achar after, behind. It almost appears in the word language used that Yahweh was ahead of them. He had left them, so to speak. If you think on a path and somebody walks ahead of you and leaves you, you're left behind. And so they were, they were mourning. They were realizing Yahweh had left them. you know, to a degree. Okay, verse 3. Then Samuel spoke to all the house of Israel, saying, if you return to Yahweh with all your hearts, put away the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths from among you, and prepare your hearts for Yahweh, and serve him only, and he will deliver you from the hand of the Philistines. What does that word Ashtoreth mean there? That's the word Easter. I promise you it is the same word that we translate as Easter. It was a Canaanite Babylonian goddess, a fertility goddess nonetheless. So, <laughs> do not do Easter people because that is her name right here and it literally says to put that away. Uh quick side note here so when at the um when they do celebrate Easter instead of pass um feast of first fruits when Jesus did rise from the dead, they um they have things like the bunny and these hot cross buns and these eggs and uh, egg laying bunny and all that stuff. So in mythology, in this Canaanite Babylonian mythology, and I say both because that whole Mesopotamia region shared a lot of pagan customs. This fertility goddess apparently came to, not for real, okay, I know that's not real, but she came to the river Euphrates and produced an egg-laying bunny to prove she was a deity. That is why they have Easter bunnies laying eggs. So stay away from all of that. It is icky, icky, icky. Remember, we already read in Deuteronomy not to do that stuff. Verse 4. So the children of Israel put away the Baals and the Asherahs and served Yahweh only. Okay. They removed that. This is the season in our life, people. The Father is calling so many people out of the church to put away their bales and their Ashtoreths. Baal there, the Baal, the word in Hebrew just means Lord or Sovereign. And so it's basically anything above you. Now, there was a Canaanite God named Baal also, but it's also the same word that in the Hebrew they used for their husband, Lord, Master, somebody over them. So it's a little bit broader in term than just the word Ashereth or Day or Easter. Esther, that's where the word Esther comes from. Verse 5. And Samuel said, gather all, chi- all Israel to Mizpah, which um, means watchtower, and I will pray to Yahweh for you. So they gathered together at Mizpah, drew water, and poured it out before Yahweh. And they fasted that day and said there, we have sinned against Yahweh. And Samuel judged the children of Israel at Mizpah. Okay, so they're at the watchtower, prophetic, I'm assuming, and they drew water and poured it out before Yahweh. This is a common thing done in ancient Israel you'll We will read a story of King David. he pours out the water that the men bring him we We have to then look at what does this mean, What does the water represent? The water represents. Word of God. It can represent the covenant being made between Yahweh and man with his word, with their words, and they pouring it on the earth as a to wet the earth, so to speak, to quench the earth's thirst, to be a binding sign there right on the earth, because that's where man stands. Is it a pouring out of their own life? To fulfill the word, I'm very I'm much more familiar with the taking an animal, splitting it into, and having the when the blood flowed between it, the people would walk between those two pieces as a sign of the covenant. This one has a a, a touch more mystery to me. But if I look at it, I can kind of see some of those parallelisms. Um, feel free to message me and I'll I'll look more into it as well. Of course, I forget to read the chapter before I start reading it with you guys because I read it so many times and then I forgot to look into that. Um. And what that actually means. But I'm looking at, okay, what do these words mean in Hebrew? You know, what does this mean? It's just, yeah, I don't know. You guys, feel free to message me what Yahweh speaks to you. That would be interesting to know what other people's opinions are. And I'll do some um, looking into the ancient traditions as well, what it actually was to signify. But it's a beautiful picture, honestly. Um, And then Samuel judged the children of Israel. So... He was, in a, um, to judge somebody, <laughs> like the Bible, people misuse that verse, don't judge me, don't judge me. Well, no, we're supposed to use Yahweh's judgment, and that's what Samuel was doing. He was enacting and clarifying for the children of Israel what Yahweh would say was right and wrong. Verse 7. Now, when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. So I do want to point something out here. If you go to that verse 7 there. I want to look at something here really quickly. I've got my interlinear pulled up. Um, we are on verse 7. Verse 7. Sorry, I went to the wrong verse. My bad. Let me click on the correct verse really fast. I want to point out something to you. Um, Sorry for this little long hiatus here. So... Here, the word for lords is seren, seren. And so it's not the same. So sometimes you will see the word for lord in the scripture as the word baal. So sometimes you'll see the word for husband as baal. And so I just wanted to look here which word was being used. And this one is actually just a lord, ruler, or tyrant. So seren. Okay, just had to look that up before we moved on. Okay, so again, When the Philistines heard that the children of Israel had gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. (laughs) So the Philistines got afraid, the Palestinians got afraid because the children of Israel gathered together. They thought, oh my gosh, they're going to war. So the children of Israel cried or said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to Yahweh our Elohim for us that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to Yahweh. Then Samuel cried out to Yahweh for Israel, and Yahweh answered him. That's beautiful. Now, why was Samuel allowed to offer a sacrifice? Because remember at this point, the temple, the place at which Yahweh had made his name abide, had not yet been revealed. Currently, and before this, the Ark of Yahweh was in a tent, the tabernacle. They had not yet built a structure, a permanent dwelling for it. And so, in this situation, he wasn't breaking a commandment. Now, if we were to offer sacrifices today, we would be breaking a commandment. Because, first of all, the place at which Yahweh's name was inscribed was already established. And that is Jerusalem, Yerushalayim. Then, we're forgetting that Yahweh scattered us out of the land. And as a punishment, took that away from us. So, we can't just continue to do as we used to do. Like in Leviticus, it says, no longer shall you offer to goat demons and everyone offers sacrifices wherever they so choose. That's, that was then a sin. So after we had the place where his name was was, where he put his name, which was Jerusalem, and we know that once he let his temple be destroyed, now we are in a punishment time, a mourning time, a repentant time. We will do it again. Ezekiel tells us that specifically if you read in verses 45, chapter 45 to the end. Okay. Now, as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but Yahweh thundered with a loud thunder upon the Philistines that day, and so confused them that they were overcome before Israel. It must have been a loud thunder. If you've ever been in the Midwest of America, you know what that's like. <laughs> I didn't at one point I didn't understand that there was no pre-trib rapture. I just had heard things. And I remember in my dorm room in Minnesota, <laughs> the loudest thunder that I've ever heard because I grew up in Montana, so we had some loud thunders. But it bolted me out of bed and I was praying God to forgive me so quickly <laughs> in that moment. But uh yeah, the the thunder, this thunder had to be really loud to confuse them. And perhaps it was accompanied by other things like lightning and storms. Who knows? It didn't. doesn't clarify. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and drove them back as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shane and called its name Ebenezer, saying, Thus far Yahweh has helped us. So Ebenezer, yeah, Ebenezer means stone of help. And that was the church I grew up in. We shouldn't shouldn't have had a named group, but interesting. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more into the territory of Israel. And the hand of Yahweh was against the Philistines all the days of Shemuel, Samuel. Isn't that beautiful? Yahweh, for the little bit of obedience, with Israel turning back to him, then Yahweh acted mightily for them. Then the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron to Gath, and Israel recovered its territory from the hands of the Philistines. Also there was peace between Israel and the Amorites, and Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. But he always returned to Ramah, for his home was there. There he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to Yahweh. Again, not a sin, because Jerusalem had not yet been established as the place which Yahweh had put his name. Notice again, it says, Samuel judged Israel. You're going to see when they anoint Saul as king over Israel, and there's going to be a prophecy that Yahweh will restore to us judges as at first. People get worshipped when they are kings. They have a little bit too much authority and power, and it goes to their head often. Not always, but often. Even even David stumbled in his power. But as a judge, it's a little bit different. You're enacting what Yahweh says is right and wrong. And Yahweh, therefore, remains the king. The judge acts a little bit more as the messenger or helper of Yahweh. And that is how it was supposed to be. There's many verses. Go look it up. Do your homework. You all have a blessed day.